stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. The New York Times had a really interesting piece over the weekend, a profile of Uma Thurman, the actress who's finally breaking her silence about the whole Harvey Weinstein scandal because she was very close to it. As a star of Pulp Fiction and the Kill Bill movies, which were flagship films for Miramax and obviously by extension Harvey Weinstein, uh, she was close to him. And she suffered at his hands. And she, she describes, uh, you know, what was done to her and what she went through and things he said, threats he made uh, about derailing her career. And it was, it was very troubling reading. And, of course, that, that goes with everything else that has come out uh, about what, what a vicious and evil predator Harvey Weinstein was for so many years. So as, as a representative of this Me Too movement, I mean, he's the poster boy. Just a, a horrible, horrible person who for years was protected because of his position, because of his power and his many, many victims afraid to come forward. That dam is broken. If you want to use him as an example, this is a good thing. And these are things that need to be coming to light. But way down at the other end of the scale are, are some stories that I, I'm a little concerned about, if I'm honest. And we talked last week about this new Democrat MP, Aaron Weir, who's been suspended from his duties uh, within the NDP caucus, still in caucus, I guess, technically, because uh, the party's investigating a- an allegation of harassment, not sexual harassment, we don't think. We don't even really know what the allegation is. I don't think Aaron Weir knows what the investigation is. We don't have a victim who's come forward, which makes it all the stranger. So that one, to me, it seemed as though he was getting an unfair shake. And his name has is, is kind of been dragged through the mud now. We don't even know what's going on. Now, we got this story today, and I don't know what to make of this either. Uh, Steve Pakin is a host with TVO. That's Ontario's public broadcaster. He hosts a show there called The Agenda. That, that's, that's pretty well known. Of course, you probably recognize him. He's usually the guy they get to do the, uh, the leaders' debates during federal elections. So a very well-known, uh, longtime broadcaster. And now he's being investigated. Uh, here's the story. Don Kelly with the Canadian Press. TVO says Pakin allegedly made inappropriate comments to a woman during a lunch in 2010. The broadcaster says it became aware of the allegation on Saturday when Pakin notified TVO of an email he'd received from the woman. TVO says Pakin will stay on as host of its flagship current affairs program, The Agenda, while an independent third party investigates the allegation. Don Kelly, the Canadian Press, Toronto. So a comment made at a lunch... Eight years ago. Now, according to um, an online post that uh, Sarah Thompson has made, former uh, Toronto mayoral candidate, says, my assistant and I met him at Grano, speaking of Steve Pakin, on Young Street, and the three of us ordered our lunch. Not five minutes into the lunch, the host asked me if I would sleep with him. Well, that would be an inappropriate thing to say, but it's also a very odd story. Someone just in the middle of a, a lunch with other people would just blurt that out? So, is Steve Pakin being treated fairly here by these allegations going public? He is being left in his position. He's not been suspended from his duties, but it does quite, quite, you know, cast quite a pall, I think, over his reputation. Jonathan Kay, a freelance columnist, uh, joins us here this afternoon, and he's been following all of this very closely. In fact, uh, knows Steve Pakin to, to some extent. John, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. How are you? Thanks for having me on. 
Uh, so let's talk about Steve Pagan, first of all, because this seems like a really weird story to me. And I mean, at least TVO hasn't fired him or suspended him even. But what do you make of it all? Uh, so by coincidence, I was in the TVO offices today uh, on an unrelated issue. I uh, had a chance to talk to some of the people there, obviously completely off the record. I know Steve. I've known him for probably about 20 years. I also know the woman who uh, who, who alleges that these comments were made uh, eight years ago. Um, to its great credit, TVO has kept Steve on. This isn't the type of situation where someone was just sort of suspended or fired. Um, there is an enormous amount of skepticism about the accusation within the TVO organization. Uh, there's an enormous amount of skepticism within the fishbowl of the uh, Toronto media community. Um, you can never completely discount an allegation like this. Um, but to the extent that people are skeptical of this kind of claim in the Me Too era, that kind of skepticism is being openly expressed on Twitter. Um, nothing about Steve Pagan's past or his behavior would indicate he would do something like this. Uh, the story is completely bizarre, in part because Steve Pagan does not make the um, programming decisions on the show that he hosts, the show called The Agenda. And according to the allegation, uh, he, he offered to, to have the woman in question on the show uh, in exchange for sex. Not only is it completely bizarre and, and out of character um, that he would, he would say such a thing during lunch, he, he didn't, doesn't have the power to make this uh, offer. So, you know, this is, there's a production team at TVO who makes these decisions. So they would somehow have to be complicit in this, um, this, this lurid uh, sex conspiracy. Um, the whole thing just does not smell right to anybody. Um, and TVO, to its credit, has kept taken on the air, although in the programming that he'll be hosting, he won't be dealing with issues that relate to uh, this kind of thing, because that would be seen as a conflict of interest until it's until a third-party investigator has cleared things up. Right. So I guess all things considered, that's probably the right way to handle this. I mean, if, if someone comes forward uh, to, to TVO and says, look, I've got a serious and credible allegation about one of your hosts, perhaps your most prominent host, it would look really bad if they just said, ah, that sounds crazy, and just dismiss it out of hand. So is it is it reasonable then that they would look into this, and is it reasonable that they would make this public? Um. So... Well, I'm not sure how much I, I should be saying here, but uh, I think Pakin himself and TVO acted beyond reproach in, um, in, in being utterly transparent about the situation as soon as the, um, the person in question made this allegation. Everything was made transparent very, very quickly. Um, it wasn't the sort of thing where <clears throat> anyone wanted to hush it up or wanted to appear to have hushed it up. And I think that's a good thing, because sometimes the real scandal we find out is that whether or not the allegation was true, it was buried. And so in the case of Patrick Brown, for instance, the Ontario PC leader who was forced to step down a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, one, of the, one of the controversial claims is that there were people within the party who knew about this kind of troubling behavior that was alleged and did nothing. So in this case, in, in this case, TBO... Steve Pakin himself has been completely transparent, um, to my knowledge, uh, which which suggests, well, it encourages the idea that they have nothing to hide. Again, the investigation hasn't been done. You know, any one of us is, is um, it's possible that we, we can do bad things. 
but uh, so far we've seen, uh, from my point of view, complete transparency. Yeah, and, and I guess you got to err on the side of transparency. And I mean, it's it's a difficult situation uh, for for anyone to have to deal with in in ensuring that you're well, treating this fairly. So I, not only, I mean, but it's not only an ethical issue. I think it's also, to be honest, you know, just cynically, it's an ass covering issue because uh, how many people have have lost their jobs in the Me Too um, age, not because they uh, abuse someone sexually, other people did that, but they were seen as either ignoring it or enabling it or covering it up, uh, or doing nothing. I mean, yeah. the most horrifying example, you know, you look at this guy, Sandunsky, who was the, that football coach down in Pennsylvania, oh, yeah. and, and, and Joe Paterno, uh, who, who, who died, um, you know, he, he was accused of just ignoring uh, this, this horrible situation, and they actually took the guy's statue down. Um, and that's in a hugely extreme case, but you, you see uh, U.S. gymnastics team officials who are stepping down uh, the last few days because they were seen as not uh, monitoring the situation with that hor- horrible doctor who just got sentenced to 175 years, Nasser. Um, so often there's all sorts of, um, or the board of directors at the Soul Pepper Theatre Company here in Toronto, uh, where I'm talking to you from, uh, not having adequate oversight of Albert Schultz, who was the founding director who, who has been accused of abusive behavior. So there's all sorts of um, uh, indirect results of these things. Uh, that, that people have to be vigilant, which is, I think, one of the reasons why TVO is being so laudably uh, transparent. Well, that's an important point. I mean, uh, in, w- without the current climate we're in, I, I could understand the reasonableness of all of this. When, when I look at this, and it, it's kind of the point you addressed in a column you wrote recently about people who are accused of these things, um, that, that let's say TBO does its due diligence, they look into this, uh, they find that, okay, there, there's nothing to it and there's no need to go any further and, and Steve Pagan is cleared and we're supposed to move on. But, but are we able to move on? And once someone's been linked to something like this, are, are they able to, to recover their, their reputations? I think generally they are if they have the support of their colleagues. Because one of the reasons people are sometimes pressured to step down uh, or management is pressured to get rid of somebody uh, before a proper investigation is done is because uh, their coworkers will say, I don't feel comfortable working with this person. I don't feel safe. Um, you know, there's a situation in NPR, public radio in the United States, where there was this guy, his last name was Oreskes. Um, I forget what his first name is. But he was, uh, he was forced to step down because there were several allegations. You know, he had groped people. He had sort of... Um, forced himself on someone in an elevator and tried to kiss them and that sort of thing. And when, when that's the nature of the accusations and people believe it, it becomes a workplace issue because women especially will say, I, I don't feel comfortable being alone with this guy. Right. And once you have that kind of environment, it is, it's difficult for management not to, to, to simply get rid of the person because whether they've had due process or not, you, if the workplace isn't functioning because people are scared of a guy, it's, it's difficult. Uh, but that's not the case with Steve Pagan. Um, uh, from what I understand within the organization, um, they don't find the allegation credible, and it's completely inconsistent. The allegation is completely inconsistent with the way he's conducted himself uh, in that organization for more than two, de- two decades. I've seen a lot of people today linked to this Toronto Star article from 2013. Some say, you know, there's there's a double standard here. Others say this is maybe victim-blaming or victim-shaming. But, but the, the story reads, at a party more than a decade ago where Conrad Black got a lot of attention, Sarah Thompson said she joked about sleeping with him in exchange for an interview. She says, quote, there were a whole lot of women ogling him at a party, so I asked him if I would have to sleep with him to get an interview, said Thompson. That was it. It was a joke. It was a party. There was nothing to it. it 
in this context where she's now claiming that someone made a comment, a very similar comment to her, is it is it fair to bring this up, or is it is it irrelevant to to the the issue at hand? Do you think? Well, look, I think a lot has changed in the last four years, and the sort of jokes that people would make at parties, uh, or even that you'd make with trusted colleagues, um, I think that's changed a lot. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of jokes or double entendres that I might have felt comfortable making uh, in a professional environment four or five years ago that I would never dream of making now. Um, in a way, it's, it's even though the Me Too movement has it's sort of a progressive movement and it's welcome, but it has produced a sort of strangely 19th century Victorian standard of behavior in, in some workplaces and in some professional cultures where, um, you know, people feel weird even being in the same room. I, I, I'd be honest, I, I think about it all the time, like what I say, or should I even be in the room with that person? Um, you know, when I pose for photographs, I just I stand like three feet away from, from a woman. Like, I, I, that sounds paranoid, uh, but it's definitely on my mind. And it's kind of like this, this, this weird merger between the progressive Me Too movement and the social conservatism of someone like, you know, Mike Pence was talking a few months ago, everyone laughed at him about how he doesn't, doesn't like to have, doesn't like to have lunch or dinner with women who aren't his wife. Um, he's a conservative and a Christian, but that's kind of the sort of behavior the Me Too movement is producing. Um, people are, people are terrified. Uh, and you know, that includes a lot of men I know. Is that an overreaction though? Well, it's self-preservation, I think. Um, because you know, I, I like to think, John, I mean, you know, just sorry to interrupt. I mean, I, I like to think I'm going to come in every day and I'm going to deal with my male colleagues as I would deal with my female colleagues. I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to try to be respectful and, and be a good colleague. Uh, but I'm, I'm not going to treat women differently than, than I treat men. I mean, is it naive to think that, hey, you know, if we just view everyone as our equal and treat everyone the same, that, that everything will be fine? Uh, I think right now that is a nice way to look at things um, because some of the some of the stories that 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 I find the most alarming are people I know who work with someone for many years uh, and they do have this very sort of ga- casual jokey relationship uh, and then for whatever reason you know the mood changes within the organization you know different people they're you know, they go through different phases. And, and suddenly things that may have happened a couple of years before, uh, which may have been perfectly innocent, are recast in a way that somehow gives it a more menacing. I'm not even talking about physical things. I'm just talking about sort of, uh, you know, uh, throwaway jokes or references. And, um, and people are scared that their words will be misconstrued. And, and sometimes you don't even know what it is. You know, we were talking in the intro, you were talking about this NDP uh, MP who... <laughs> Um, apparently, it's not even a sexual uh, allegation. It's just that the fellow harassed somebody, and it's sort of this Kafka-esque thing where we're, you know, we don't even know the charges against him, um, but we're, we're what procedures will be used to uh, adjudicate it. Right. Um, but when when you do have that sort of Kafka-esque environment, there is an attitude of real fear, which competes with the well-intentioned sort of Me Too impulse, where. It's, you do want to create an environment where, where women can come forward with their complaints um, and how to balance that with the due process uh, becomes the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. We'll leave it there. Uh, John, great insight as always. Thanks so much for making some time for us here. Appreciate it.
Thank you. All right, there you go. That's uh, Jonathan Kay, uh, freelance journalist and columnist based in Toronto. Uh, some thoughts from him. 403-974-8255 is our number. We'll come back, get some thoughts from you. Stay with us. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.